Angela Baker, a shy, traumatized young girl, is sent to summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions gets their comeuppance. We watch Sleepaway Camp. Arrive on a bus and go home in a bag. Ready, camp, run, ain't ya? Screamers, we are a slasher sports production. Let me go ahead and get these co-hosts on here. Flattering introductions are like births in the NBA playoffs. Even the very average get one. So here he is, Memphis Menace Rick. Ricky. What's up, man? I'm, I'm excited for this week. I'm excited to discuss this movie. You should be excited. This is your pick, man. Why did you pick it? And how did you know it was going to be the greatest thing ever? Um, I mean, it's for people that know horror, it's pretty, uh, pretty much a cult following and it's pretty, um, you know, has a really good twist to it. And it's definitely something that people have definitely heard of it. They're in the horror for sure. You are bound and determined to tell everybody about that twist, aren't you? Well, they're going to have to wait. They're going to have to wait, Rick. But man, it was pretty amazing. And now he's a man who wears his heart on his sleeve and spaghetti sauce on his tie. He is the godfather of droll James. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Classic James. What you been up to I this week, this man? I watched this movie, Bill. Huh? I thought it was pretty good how they uh, carried that dead guy around and made him look like he was alive. I thought that was pretty funny. Did you watch the right movie, James? Because it sounds yeah. like you're describing uh, Weekend at Weekend Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> nope. D- definitely not. Um... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> Well, before I introduce our final co-host, well, that's a good movie too. It is. It is James. It is. Somebody get somebody get him some crayon. <clears throat> before I introduce our final co-host, let me remind you that no one is perfect. Here is Final Girl Casey. Okay. Well, Ooh. somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be me. It may as hell well, guys. We've got all four of us here, and we've got an excellent film to discuss. I think this uh, th- this movie really embodies why we started this podcast, would you say? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> sure. The only reason I'm doing this podcast, Bill, is to get the message out there. What is the message, James? <laughs> Bigfoot is real. Okay. <laughs> Here, we, here we go. To our home. This is pretty on brand. <laughs> it, it is very on brand. James, please elaborate. You've, you've got the floor. Something, uh, are, are there additional sightings? What, what, what are we, what are we talking about here? Well, I don't want to speak out of church or anything, but there's more and more sightings. There's either, there's not more and more sightings. There's just more people talking about it. Oh, okay. So just hearsay is what you're referring to. Well, there's proof too, Bill. Oh, 
We got pictures, footage, all kinds of mo- Moving pictures is what footage is. It's moving funny. pictures. Movie movie type quality pictures. Oh, so CGI is what you're referring to. Like well, Avatar. not necessarily, no. Well, not necessarily. James, not necessarily means somewhat. These things are real, Bill. All right. Can you imagine if in the middle of taking the people, camp... They're taking people and they're messing with their mind and giving them cancer. Oh, no. <laughs> And, and and why why are they doing that? Or the are you saying the the big? No, I know, Bill. It's a government cover. The, the big feet. Why? Well, you know people, what? Just, just the, to kind of keep up with you, I can tell you is that big feet are real. Oh, big feet! And that's the easiest <laughs> thing I explained to you. The government's covering covering up everything. Well, you know, it's it's funny you do say this because I was reading something recently about a specific president. I don't remember which president because I didn't care enough to read. It's always a president. Well, I mean, he is the top of the government. But there was one specific that knew about it, and it has something to do with the the national park system. It, it may have been a TikTok video I saw. I'm going to have to look that up. But it was a TikTok video I saw where somebody asked, why are all these people disappearing in our national parks and nobody's talking about it? And that probably goes down the same, you know, wormhole, rabbit hole, can of worms, can of rabbits that, uh, that you're going down right now, right? It is quite a delirium. There's all kinds of people going missing from all our parks and national parks each and every day with no explanation. Now, see, that part is true. Um, and they're being found thousands of yards away on high mountains or in just places they could not get their sails in the time that they're missing. Say they're gone for two hours. There's no way they could have made it over there. And they're dead, too. They're not alive. That's a big part of it, the being dead part, because they can't explain how they got there in two hours. There's this one, Bill. He's seen this Bigfoot, and he was doing jumping jacks or something. The Bigfoot was doing jumping jacks? Yeah, he's trying to get up in this tree or something. The guy was watching him, and then the guy has no recollection of the time that he was gone. He was gone for about four hours, and then when he got back, his phone was, you know, like Google, whatever it is, says welcome to such and such state or welcome to such and such country. Yes. Like he had visited like 50 or 60 different uh, cities and countries and his phone had like sent him all these messages. Well, they tried to get his records from Verizon or wherever. One of they the don't have a Bigfoot plan. <clears throat> he didn't have the Bigfoot plan and they uh, never would. <laughs> and then the next day his phone was erased and it done a factory reset and he didn't do it. And now... The guy's got cancer, and he's a scientist, and he'd worked for different uh, nuclear facilities all Did over the nuclear? United States. Nuclear. <clears throat> nuclear. Nuclear. Well, people in the nuclear field mm-hmm. uh, see these things all the time. They try to get into those facilities all the time. Like the guy that was doing the Naruto run. And they call them uh, <laughs> aborigines, like the no. guards and stuff. No. Like if you were a new guard and they sent you out on a post, they said, don't worry about the aborigines. Oh, it's a code <clears> word. <throat> code word. Okay. So, yeah, Bill, it's a whole big thing. I've been sending them links. I don't guess you've been watching them. <laughs> well, you send them to me on Snapchat, and you send them to me at like 7 a.m. when I haven't even rolled over in bed. Well, you so better wake them. up, Bill. Because they're coming. They could be in them little patch of woods right outside your house. Well, the leaves are starting to turn yellow on some of these bushes, so either a dog or you pissing on them. That was <laughs> me when I come over there. Okay. There's a lot of ammonia in your bladder. <laughs> you need to, to check that out. Well, I'm trying to 
I'm trying to scare the big feet off from your house because I know you oh. couldn't handle one if it come knocking on the back door. I would rather have the big feet than the smell of your urine <laughs> at my back door. I would rather have the. I hope this Bigfoot discourse is what our listeners come here for every week. Yeah, me too. Oh, they sure do you know get what? it. Listen, our <laughs> our listeners are here for fun conversation, and James, I don't know that uh, I can sign off on your conspiracies but i'll damn sure look into them with you I mean, somebody's got to tell the cops what happened i also know there's a conspiracy about this movie i watched oh there's Weekend plenty of conspiracy Bernie's. there <laughs> what the guy was really dead <clears throat> a real life conspiracy well you know what we're gonna get into some conspiracy real quick but first let's get into rick's breakdown of sleepaway camp because that's what we're here for all right, uh, so Sleepaway Camp came out on November 18th, 1983. Uh, it was filmed <clears throat> in New York State at an actual real uh, camp that the director went to as a kid. Um, it's an hour and 24 minutes. Um, budget was 350000 estimated. I could not find any information, none, about how much it grossed. Um, it's rated R, um, and uh, some of the actors and actresses, um, Felisa Ro- Rose, one of the big ones, she played Angela. She's also been in Victor Crowley and the horror film as well called Death House. Uh, Jonathan Tiersten, he played Ricky. Um, he was in uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp. Karen Fields, who played uh, Judy. Uh, couldn't really find very much she was in. Um, Mike Kellen, who played good old Mel on the camp. He was in uh, The Jazz Singer, and he was in Midnight Express. Uh, Paul D'Angelo, who played Ronnie. He was in Return to Sleepaway Camp. Um, Catherine Cam High, who played Meg, Counselor Meg, she was in a, um, a slasher film actually after this called uh, Silent Madness, came out in 84. Um, and then if anybody knows anything about the other actors and actresses, there was a lot, I know, because there's a lot of counselors, um, but I kind of left it off there because a lot of them weren't really in a lot of stuff that's well known. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the... Uh... You know, the, the, the making of a cult classic like this, usually the actors are not big-time actors, and they just don't go on to do very many notable things. Um, you know, there are a few exceptions, but nobody in this film really did anything of note or any really produced anything of note except for uh, one of the cooks who produced, you know, um, James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of, he, he needed help for that. So, um, yeah, a good rundown, Rick. So let's get into Casey's... Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Oh, really quick. Sorry, I forgot. My bad, Casey. Oh, I was going to do some really quick uh, trivia because this movie has some really awesome trivia. A um, couple things. Um, the film became an unexpected hit and something of a cult favorite for horror buffs. It made 30 times more than what was spent on it. Yeah. Um, Willie Cuskin, who plays one of the bullied camp boys, was genuinely bullied during filming. Frank Trent Saladino, who played a camp counselor, had to step in when the other members took things too far. And uh, this is really rare for a slasher film because um, the victims are almost all between 12 and 15. Also, a couple of people get attacked but not killed, which is also very rare for a slasher. And Casey, it's on to you. All right. So with this one, it has a, for critics, a 77% rating with a 60% rating from the audience. So another one of the weird ones where we see the audience score is, you know, decidedly lower than the critic one. Uh, the good review that I found 
is Sleepaway Camp is a standard teen slasher elevated by occasional moments of John Waters-esque weirdness and a twisted ending. The Bad says it evokes a period in time before Ritalin and Common Sense. <laughs> Those were my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is probably my favorite of all of them. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, you know, Rick, you talked about the budget. Um, I don't know the numbers, but I was going to bring up the fact that it made so much more money than it took to spend, you know, to, to make the movie to the point where it was in the maybe tens or hundreds of thousands to make the movie when it, it made dozens of millions uh, in the box office. This was like, this thing was the real deal Holyfield in theaters. I, I never saw it until I was probably about five or six years old and I probably didn't see it again after until sometime after I was in the Navy when I showed uh, m my kids. So, I mean, and, and they had to have been old enough to, to watch it. Well, they might not have been, but I did start them a little bit early in, you know, horror flicks. But yeah, this movie will forever be one of the greatest slasher flicks of all time, no matter the budget, no matter how cheaply made it was. The writing in, in this is impeccable. It gives you exactly what you want in a, in a late night, weekend halloween type scenario this gives you exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for so before we get into the thick of it let's go ahead and figure out what we're going to be watching next week and to do that we've got to play our game milton bradley's crack the case where i'm going to read charlie you the case the card. chocolate factory charlie and the fucking chocolate i'm going to read you a case card and it is up to our investigators rick james and casey rick james and casey and once once that is solved, the winner gets to pick next week's movie. So, let's get after it. The name of this case is Open and Clothes Case. And clothes is spelled like clothes that you wear. C-L-O-T-H-E-S. C-H. Did I say C-H? <laughs> you started to. And you said clutches. <laughs> Open and Clutches Case. Open and Clothes Case. The case is read as follows. A woman suddenly disappears from her home leaving all of her clothes behind, even the ones she was wearing. The mystery? What became of the woman? Rick, we're going to start the questioning with you since you won last week, and then we'll go to Casey and then to James, and you may begin. Okay, uh, you said the woman left her house, correct? Yes. Casey, your question. <laughs> you take so much joy in taking I away I do. It's, it's just so fun because nobody ever expects that. You know, a clarifying question is still a question, and I have to take it. I expect it every damn time. You shut your <laughs> face. You didn't even... Never mind. Casey, your question. <laughs> um, was she kidnapped? No. James, your question? Was it Bigfoot? <laughs> I saw that coming, and I'm still happy. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Rick, your question. Was, was she abducted by aliens? No. Casey? Did she take off her own clothes? Yes and no. Okay. James? Is it my turn? The last I heard, your name was James. Did you call my name? I did call your name. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Did she get hung up in the clothesline, Bill? No. Right. Rick, we're going to start you with the questions again. Remember, this is round three, so I'm going to go ahead and give you a clue after this round. Did she voluntarily take her clothes off? No. I asked that. Well, you, sort of, you, you sort of asked that. Well, sort of. She I said, did she take her, her own clothes off? off? Well, you... Eh. Well, the voluntarily is 
the key part of that question. Involuntarily. Yeah, and nothing about this was voluntarily done. Casey, your question. Is this related to a crime? It's called Crack the Case. I mean, it could just be a mystery. It doesn't have to be a crime. No, no crime. <laughs> it's not a crime? Yeah, no. Huh? No. Now James is totally fucked. James, your question. <laughs> and I do feel like this clue is going to get get this thing solved in this very next round, if I'm being honest about it. Well, that's just great. Because <laughs> I'm going light. You might not go at all. <laughs> that means I've got to solve it right now, Bill. Without that would help. If James solves it, does he get to be the moderator next week? Like he wanted last week? Um, The moderator for this game? Yeah, for the game. If James solves this, he could be the moderator forever. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that because... James is a J- James plays a certain kind of guy on TV, but we know better. James, it is your question. This reminds me of a story, Bill. Oh Lord! <laughs> I was standing there on the sled today. <laughs> them little kids is driving it. One Football practice, me, mind you. One of them asked me what I did today. I said I worked, and one other one asked me, "Are you smart?" <laughs> And I said, I am not a smart man. And then another kid said, just look at him. And the other kid said, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> man, that was, that was Pulitzer Prize winning right there. <laughs> that was beautiful, James. That was beautiful. <laughs> All right, Bill. What happened to this woman? Where did her clothes go? Rephrase your question. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> did she fall in a hole? <laughs> no. The clue, clue number one, the, the woman was from the West. Rick, your question. Uh, was it, was, where the woman was, was it really hot outside? I don't know. I don't Would you like to solve? Figure it out. Man, I, I thought I was going somewhere with that one. Um, you were. That's a big moderator South. for life. Uh, no, pass. I don't, I have no clue. N- okay. W O. <laughs> the new world order. Casey, your question. <laughs> I feel so obligated to solve it, <laughs> but N- I don't think I can. NWM, New World Moderator. Um. Please solve it. Bill, where's my A-team music at? What about my I need some MacGyver thing music? That's better than 18. I don't think I can even. I brought his own MacGyver music. And then I stick a paper clip in a light socket. Casey, your question. Was she a stripper like out in Vegas or something? Good lord. No. James. Feel my wrath. Oh my god. I'll I'm tell so you sorry. What she was, Bill. I'll tell you what. What have I got to solve? What happened to her, or what happened to her clothes? What, what became of her? What became of the woman? She got sucked up by a tornado, Bill. <laughs> no, James. <laughs> he was so confident. Gosh, the level of confidence was new world order. Was like new old man moderate. in speedos level <laughs> confidence. No, she did not get sucked up by a tornado. Damn it. I was so confident that was the answer. But I Because she's feel, from out west. Because I do feel really bad for you. I do feel terrible for you. 
Because she was sucked up by a tornado. You just ain't going to say it. <laughs> well, I mean, if that was the case, I would have to tell you, hey, this how, I can't just make up a story. I can't you make up an make us, You could just make us keep playing this game until we all got tired and you just named the next movie. Well, I could do that, and I have and done that. the answer. But I'm not doing it this time. Okay, uh, whose who's question is it? Rick, your question. Mine. Um, Where's the clue? <laughs> oh, yeah, the clue. There is a puddle of water... Where the woman was last seen. I told you it was tornado. Rick, your question. Um, wait. <laughs> Just oh. thinking out loud over there. I ain't got cheese mode. Thanks. Um, was she in some type of, like, danger that her clothes, she took off her clothes, or her clothes came off? Define danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. I'm trying to give you a fair shake at this one, Rick. Define danger. Well, define was by she... de- define what you mean by was she in danger? Like, was it so hot out that she melted? That has never happened in the <laughs> history of the world. But Bigfoot is chasing women all over this nation. <laughs> I don't know. You said a puddle. So I'm like, okay. What? What? What is your question? Was 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 she so hot that she melted? Yes and no, dude. I don't know. Pass. I have no clue. Casey, I have such a stupid answer. Give it. It's gonna be so embarrassing. <laughs> you made of snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a. It's not a stupid question. But yeah, no. But no. <laughs> She's not made of snow. <laughs> you said it's no crime. <laughs> James. Oh God. All right, she wasn't a snowman. She didn't no, just was she melt. Woman? She didn't get sucked up by a tornado. She left a puddle of water behind. And her was her clothes gone or were her clothes there? We're trying to figure out what happened to the woman, right? Rephrase your question. Yes, we are trying to find out what happened to the woman. Rick, your question. Not her clothes. Was she was she running? No. Solve? I have no clue, no. Casey, your question. My feelings are still hurt that my last question was wrong. Um, <laughs> so are mine. She's from out west. Wasn't a crime, but it was still involuntary. What was your answer to James's last question? I know this is my question. You'll have to rephrase that question. Were her clothes there or were they missing? Rephrase that question. Were her clothes missing? No. Solve? No. Jables? <clears throat> she was gone, but her clothes were not. Yes. Solve? <laughs> Actually, was that a question? That sounded because, like a sentence. Yeah, okay. I, I, I wanted to be fair on that. I usually wouldn't retract, but I just wanted to get him so bad. I will never retract. <laughs> Is that your impression of Billy? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> What's your damn question? <laughs> Is the sun involved? Do you mean like the one like in the, the sky big ball or in the fucking sky, son? <laughs> no. Solve. Does she have a son? Solve. <laughs> Solve. Uh, out west, puddle of water, clothes still there. She's not a snowman. We're hovering over this so so hard. Is it like one of them cartoons? Where she fell off in a manhole and like when she fell, she fell so fast her clothes fell off of her. <laughs> <laughs> like a wily e. coyote type of thing. <laughs> Yeah. I hope he's right. Where he falls so fast, he leaves his eyebrows up. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. God, no. Rick, your question. <laughs> Give me a second. I got to recover from that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, was anyone with her? Define what you mean by with her. Um, 
like was somebody in the like in the place with her i would just added more words to the same question uh yes there were people there with her solve i have man i have no idea casey i'm so annoyed because i remember before you said the first clue that you thought i would give it away so... <laughs> i thought it would i really <laughs> yeah. thought it would here we are um so it's clearly important that she's from out west What's that guy to do with losing your clothes? That's the stupidest clue I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it must not mean the sun sets in the west. <laughs> God. <laughs> and the waxing and waning of the moon turned her to water. The w- <sighs> I have nothing. I really have nothing. I'm so sorry. It's okay. What about you? What do you got, Steinbeck? The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Talking and about the old west, Bill. She is the moon, bro. Reminds me of a saying from my favorite western movie. Well, one of my favorite western actors, John Wayne. He said, I could whip your ass on my worst day. That's how I feel right now, Bill. Is this a solution or a threat? <laughs> Are you saying that today is your worst day, James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your question, though, James, before you whip my ass? <laughs> what? Mm. All right. She lives out west. She left water behind. She left a puddle behind. Man, you guys are hovering over this. You're so... You've been so close. So... Like, absurdly close. And I know when I tell you the answer, one of you is going to throw a fucking fit Swearing, me, swearing that they had it right until I I'm point the only out one that really had it right. Until I po- <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, I do know. But my confidence earlier, Bill, was second to none. So that means I know. Well, I mean, you got I it wrong, so it was obviously three. second to something. My confidence and bravado was headed in such the right direction that yes, it blows you, your mind and would not give it to me. Yeah, you were <laughs> you were oozing machismo, James. <laughs> All right, she's from the West. She left a puddle of water behind. Just got something to do with a natural disaster. <laughs> you lying bastard. Yes and, y- yes and no. Oh. Yes and no. <laughs> Which yes and no means in a sense it does have something to do with a natural disaster, but also no, it doesn't have anything to do with a natural disaster. <laughs> Damn you, Bill. Was in it a one cyclone? Sense it, does. it was a cyclone that got her. You, you've already asked your question, James. Well, I can't solve solved. it right now. So you're, you're solving that it was a cyclone that got her and tore her clothes off? Cyclone jumped like Pecos Bill. No. Wrong. Rick. Um was did her did her clothes disappear in the puddle no okay um, like us all i'm no man i have no idea casey i'm requesting that you reread the original thingy the case the case a woman suddenly disappears from her home leaving all her clothes behind even the ones she was wearing what became of the woman okay i'm trying to think of how this could like be related to her being out west. Be related, sort of, to a natural disaster. She melted. Her clothes are still there. Well, melt. <laughs> There's a puddle of water. Was she holding a drink? I've got it now, Bill. <laughs> I hope you do. No, Casey. She was not holding a drink, but would you like to solve? No. I'll let James solve it for us. Come on, Pecos Bill. Give it to me. 
What is your okay, question? Now, so, will she read, what's the name of the case? Clothes something. Open and clothes case. Now, would you like to solve? <laughs> yeah. God. Okay, solve it. I will, oh, I will take your resignation right now. <laughs> if to you be step moderator. down as moderator. And not embarrass you with me knowing the answer right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you want me to just give it up without hearing the answer? You recognize me as champion, and I don't have to tell the answer. Well, you keep you keep moving the goalpost on me, James. I believe what we've All got right, ourselves Bill, here, we've got ourselves a Mexican shower. standoff. She's in the shower. Some natural disaster happened where she had to evacuate. That's when she left the puddle of water because she took off out of the shower. Give it to me, you bastard, because I know it's right. Rick, your question. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you, James. <laughs> Did she, um, did she have was she barefoot no oh well james you know what that was a good question because you were talking about the shower thing so he can really take anything like swimming or anything like that out of the equation right what was if, the answer the answer was no she she was not barefoot <clears throat> i ought to count well, that as your next question clothing, so she had to have left that behind so she was barefoot i like to run around naked all the time with my shoes on <laughs> And I wear stuff with lifts so I look taller. Rick, would you like to solve? Uh, no. Don't uh, let this no. rat-faced bastard pick on you, okay? He's big, but he's way over there, okay? He's way over there. I'm calling this game Shenanigans. <laughs> There's already a game called Shenanigans. Casey, your question. And I need to know how many more rounds we need to go before you guys are tapping out. One oh, tap Here we go. That's his plan all along. Just to James, tap out. Listen, I tell you what, James. I tell you Friday what, James. The 15th. I tell you what, James. And if, he's gonna say, if she was naked playing pool in the parlor or something. <laughs> James, if I read this answer off and you start to complain, oh, I had it. And I ask our other two co-hosts if they agree with you or me. <laughs> and they both say me in good faith, guys. Well, that's a loaded dice right there, Bill. Because <laughs> these two's your buddies. Let me get two of my buddies on here. James, Damn your James. buddies will your buddies will laugh at you for playing this game. <laughs> this should always be a secret between us. <laughs> I've told everybody, Bill. God, they so that make fun James of James must have been extraordinarily close. James is always extraordinarily close to the answer. He just don't never tell it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> All right. I knew, but I wanted y'all to win, finally. <laughs> you a bunch of simpletons. Casey, your question. Now I'm, like, running through all James's answers. Well, it's, James is raising hell over here, and he knows he's wrong. And he knows he'll be proven wrong in a court of law. I know I'm right, and you can't handle the truth. The shower one was actually a pretty good answer to me, except it doesn't solve the out west part. Rubbin's racing, Bill. It was out west because it was a fire. It was like those wildfires that happened out west, so she had to evacuate quickly. Ah. He only came up with that part just now. But that's all right. That's what I was going for. (laughs) Casey, please make some sense of all this. I would love to, but I don't know if I can. Um, I'm trying to think of the west thing. The west thing is really, like, throwing me because apparently it's what should have given it all away. But I don't know that anywhere of really any of us have really gotten anywhere with it being out west. I see James muted up over there, so he's probably Googling something. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't Googled nothing, Bill. 
The rain on the plains fall mostly in Maine. Close. <laughs> Bigfoot's out west, too. Yep. And those burning wildfires. Nowhere to hide except somebody shouting. Dude, you know there's wildfires out west. There are. Don't I was in the middle take of one. away from what I see. <laughs> Trying to discredit wildfires out west. I'm not discrediting anything. Michael right. Jackson come up with a song about the wildfires out west to save the children. What? Give a chance. From his grave, maybe. Cover your forest fires before you leave camp. Pretty sure that was Smokey Bear. Casey? Guess where Smokey Bear lives? Out west. In Neverland. Casey? I know the answer, Bill. Good. <laughs> Casey? Your question. I've definitely got it now, Bill. You do not stand a chance. Good, good. I hope you do. <laughs> My mind is like a steel trap, Bill. A steel trap. But to close, close it. He says that every week. Every week. That means it must be true. Must be. <clears throat> you ain't probably win this game, Bill. I'll be the best. I'm passing to James. Oh, God. James, your question. I don't even need to ask the question. Okay, solve it. So, she was visiting a national park and God. stepped on Old Faithful, <laughs> and it floated her up in the air, and all that was left of her was a puddle on her clothes. <laughs> you got it, James. Yeah! Wait, are you I'm, serious? Absolutely not. That was the dumbest oh. answer ever. Rick, your like, question. God. <laughs> I was like, oh. what? Okay. Um, James just James just ran out the cabin naked with only shoes on. <laughs> um, make me so mad, James. What? I said you make me so damn mad. Was she? <laughs> was she at a place that she's been before? Like, was it familiar? Yes. Okay. Solve. <sighs> no, man. I'm I'm gonna tap out. I have no clue, dude. I have no idea. I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain with it with all James's awesome guesses and plug them in, but it's not working. <laughs> well, if, if you're hovering around a geyser or Old Faithful in a national park, just get out of there. Yeah. Casey, your question. I can't. You tapping out? Yep. James, I need this answer, Bill. Need to come to me in the in the form of Jim Morrison and a weird naked yeah. Indian. <laughs> In a great vision, I've found the answer. So, I'll call it James Talk. She was there. She was she with was. people. She uh -huh. had shoes on. Uh huh. Left a puddle out uh -huh. west. Uh huh. All true. How far out west was she? Rephrase your question. Was she in the coast or was she at Wild Wild West? Rephrase your question. The coast? Was she on the west coast? No. So it's Solve. West, Wild West. Solve. Shut your mouth, Bill. <laughs> Damn it. You're breathing heavier and heavier by the minute, James. I don't know. Natural disaster. It was it was or was not a natural disaster. Natural disaster. <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think you talking is a natural disaster. <laughs> Call the law. He's having a Are you tapping out, All right, James? Here it is. Okay. Slip and fail into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> No, we're going to have to call it, James. We are past the hour. The story is as follows, and you're going to bitch, and you're going to bitch, and you are going to bitch. But <laughs> thankfully, we've got two other co-hosts here to back me up, one who is the literary type. I want, I want everybody the, out there to know 
that I was persecuted and ridiculed the entire time with the right answer. James, you were ridiculed before we got on this call. (laughs) The story is as follows. The land is Oz, and the woman is the wicked witch of the West. Are you fucking kidding Dorothy melted her with a bucket of of water, and ding-dong, the witch is dead, leaving only a puddle of water and the clothes she was wearing. James, I know where you were going with a tornado. Dorothy was taken by the tornado, not not the Wicked Witch of the West. And I said, was she melting? And I thought about that. She melted. Yes. You said she didn't melt into a I puddle of water. I did not say water. she didn't melt. Rick asked, did she melt into a puddle of water? And you said no. Correct. She didn't melt into a puddle of water. She just melted. The puddle of water was from the bucket of water that was thrown on her. But she melted into the puddle. But she did not melt into a puddle of water. I'm not going to say a word about this debacle. <laughs> You don't have to. What are we watching next week? Well, don't sound so upset about it. You better pick something good. (sighs) Well, Saturday Night Fever. (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) It's actually going to be Weekend at Bernie's Part 2, where he's still dead and not yet rotted. (laughs) We can always watch Battleship. Well, we're not going to watch Battleship. I tell you what we are going to watch, guys. We're going to watch a movie from the early 80s. No, actually, it was uh, the late 80s. And the movie is called Danger Children at Play. This is a kind of a precursor to Children of the Corn. It's a town uh, with all kinds of families where (laughs) the children turn on all the adults and start to run the town. And the adults have to take the town back. Great. We're watching Minute Work. Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen at their finest. The internet says it's called Beware Children at Play. Is that the same? No, it is Beware. I'm sorry. I I was telling myself not to tell you guys the wrong name. And I picked the one I told myself not to tell you. Yes, Beware Children at Play. 1986-87? 89. 89. Okay. Uh, Kind of a low-budget flick, but um, very controversial. Very controversial movie. Um, for its graphic nature. And I'm not going to be like Rick and tell you when to expect it, but there are some very gruesome happenings in this movie, and I think everybody who is a horror fan is going to love it, especially if you've not seen it. So, beware. Children at Play, 1989. It is not streaming anywhere for free. You will have to hunt it down. Oh, yeah. Check B-Flix. I didn't say that, but check it. Oh, I'm going to buy it on Voodoo, and we're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just letting our listeners know that they will have to hunt it down. Oh, for sure, for sure. That's why I say B-Flix, stream that shit. I didn't say that, because that's illegal. But, guys, we're finally past the uh, the game of Crack the Case. We can finally get into this flick and Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp is, well, it was made in fond memory of Mom, the director's mom, a doer. How's that for a, an opening... I guess an opening title card in fond memory you know of his mom. Why? It was Here we go. Memory of his mom. James has this conspiracy theory that only James knows about. Because his mom died in an accident, and then he collected the life insurance policy and made the movie. That is true. That is true. But sounds awful fishy to me. So yes, the Slashers and Screamers podcast is here to accuse director <laughs> of Sleepaway Camp of murder in order to make his little sixty thousand dollar movie. 
I think we should well, dial Bill, back. He made dozens of millions of dollars. James. I think Making we should put out a so former, what's, for, what's formal that? statement that Robert Hiltzik probably didn't murder his mom. But we should put the, the probably oh, in quotation no, marks. There's no probably to it. Dude, he dedicated this movie to his mom at the beginning. It's exactly, like, with someone well, who murdered I their mom. I would too if I had to knock her in the head to get the money to make it. It only would be fair. Cindy Brewington, I hope you're listening. Bill, if I ever needed money to make a movie. Are we knocking off your mom? I'd kill somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but not mama. <laughs> James, you remember that time we went to Hans the... this first name guy. Same guy that was at the Naki Tommy Plaza. Hans Gruber? Hans what? Gruber. <laughs> I know he'd kill his mom for millions, dozens of millions of dollars. Well, it's a cool flick to dedicate to your mom. You know, uh, a film fraught with murder, attempted pedophilia, and dick prints. I to my mother. <laughs> that seems yes. ominous given the territory that you're taking with Sin. This podcast is dedicated to Cindy, a doer. But yeah, I mean, there, there's more than meets the eye with this film, though. I mean, it, I mean, it looks like a low-budget film, which it is. Cheesy, which it is. Uh, poorly acted, which it was. Um, well, you know what? Fuck it. There's less than meets the eye. But I fucking love it. This is a fantastic film. Yeah, it's de- definitely good at 80s hard cheese at its best. I think it's interesting that they use actual children as campers. I think, especially for a horror movie, they would be using, like, 25-year-olds and trying to pass them off as 14. Yeah, mostly. There, there are some very clear underage children in this movie, and they are... I mean, they are waist deep in the scenes. This isn't one of those things where, yeah, we got a lot of kids, but we're only going to have the adults in the, the, the gruesome scenes. No, there's some gruesome shit happening to a lot of people. And maybe it's not all happening to the kids, but maybe the kids are there to witness it. They're, they're not shielding anybody from this, from what we can tell. And I do think that's interesting. But, I mean, the, the opening really sets this film up perfect for me. Um, you know, the, the music, I mean, it begins like a... It, it's like an increasingly louder some type of horn. And that got my attention right off the bat. I mean, it's the music starts at a 10. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm already on edge hearing this. But uh, I like how the opening credits kind of give you, a, I guess, a quick tour of the uh, abandoned campgrounds. You know, we hear some young voices chanting and, you know, we see a for sale sign and the sheriff warning. Um, like some bad shit's happened here. And, uh, we, you know, we know kind of what's in store for us. But the campground view really sets the scene for me. One thing that I thought was cool is that I ended up reading that the movie was actually shot in the fall and the crew had to keep spraying the grass and leaves green. That is so interesting because you would think that maybe we'll just push recording time back or uh, no, know, filming no. time back. Can't do that. Nope, cannot do that. People are on a on a schedule. And know, but... that Felisa Rose, uh, Felisa Rose was literally 13 when she was in this. Yeah, she is I mean, 13 years old. Does a fantastic job for you know such a young person in a probably different environment than she's used to. This is a, I mean, I don't know many 13 year old kids who are veterans in you know horror film. Um, if we're not talking about like a Corey Feldman type, you know, or those children of the corn types. But I mean, immediately we're put in an earlier time, a flashback, if you will. Um, you, you kind of feel the summer vibes. Uh, Dad's got his kids, a little boy and a little girl. Uh, they're on the lake soaking up the sun. 
Um, there's some teenagers driving their speedboat, doing some skiing. And I just wonder if the two kids in the boat aren't, like, bullying the skiing girl because she very clearly does not want to be doing this. Like, her drama meter is through the fucking roof. And I'm starting to think that maybe she's too much actress for this film. Yeah, um, very dramatic. Meanwhile, we've got two kids with strong accents who can't act at all. (laughs) Or are they great actors and we just don't realize it? Nope, I refuse to accept that even as an option. That shit was awful. (laughs) I mean, I guess this is supposed to be what, like a Jersey accent or something? I don't know. Well, I mean, upstate upstate New York, I think. Okay, okay. So, like, like, Staten Island and I'm pretty sure the little four-year-old girl tells her brother, hey, get the fuck out of here. I don't know if she said fuck. It was in the director's cut. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was director's cut. But, uh, you know, the movie wastes no time getting batshit crazy when there's, uh, you know, there's the man in the water, you know, he's run over at full fucking speed by the speedboat. And one of the kids. And one of the kids, yeah, so okay to to set the scene there's a man presumably his children on a boat um like a little sailboat and as a prank the kids capsize the boat puts them all in the water meanwhile there's a couple of teenagers uh, in their boat with a girl skiing behind them like i said and the girl in the boat she wants to drive so the boy lets her and for whatever reason she's driving straight toward the man and his kid which makes no sense to me because directly behind them is dry land like, they're not even that deep into the water. And if they aren't there, that girl is driving toward the land where she's going to run aground. And I'm checking my notes here, but no, boats can't go on dry land anyway. What the hell is she doing? I mean, it seems like she's not supposed to be driving the boat based on the boy's reaction when she initially asked, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, is your dad going to give me a job when I get fired? Probably not now. Given Probably what we know. not now, given the dead bodies. But I mean, I guess we should try and break down what's really going on. There's the guy on the boat with his kids, and there's the guy on the shore who's yelling at him that they got to go meet the doc. Uh, the doc's going to be there soon. I don't know what that means. Uh, why there would be a doctor coming to see them um, at this point, anyway. And, and that's when the boat runs over the man in the water and one of the kids. So we we know because the man is seen floating on the water, face down, and we see the like the, the life vest of one of the kids float to the top, which is shredded, absolutely shredded. And but now we th- this doesn't take long. This is what the first three minutes of the movie, uh, and then we fast forward like a decade or a little less, uh, eight years I think, to the future. And if you'll remember, when the guy on the shore was yelling to the man who was run over by the boat that they go have to they got to go meet the dock. One of the kids asks if Ricky was going to be there too. And of course the dad replies, no, I think he's spending the summer with his dad or something of that nature. But in this scene, we're meeting Ricky. And if you're doing the math, the girl in this scene is Ricky's cousin. Then she's the survivor of the lake accident, the little girl. Same dark hair, same dark eyes. And of course they're living with Ricky's mom, who I presume is the doc who was coming in the the opening scene as a... you know, she gave the rundown with, uh, after all, I'm a doctor. She's a little quirky. You know, there's something. Yeah, like, little quirky. Think she was a nutcase. Yeah, Absolutely but yeah, nutcase. yeah. Total I mean, nut bar. Yeah, I mean, there's something isn't quite right about her. She'll say a few words and then put her her finger on her chin as if to say, like, she has this thought. She'll stare off into space, make a little statement like, well, that wouldn't do at all. So yeah, what do we make of the doctor that. here? I've seen you do that before, Bill. She's she's crazy, man. Something's, something's up with her. And that crack the case game. <laughs> well, yes and no, a natural disaster. 
Yeah, but the Billy, uh, she's she's crazy. I think something. something she's definitely a little off kilter somewhere. So she is like the Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka with unlimited amounts of cocaine. And so much younger. Like I can see through that makeup. This lady is not thirteen, fourteen year old kid having age. I thought she, she was a man at first. You liar! I'm not lying about it. Did you really? Take all that weird makeup off, and, you know, she's, like, a fairly young-looking person at this time. She's got shoulders like a linebacker, Bill. <sighs> wow, and she just passed away May 24th of this year. Damn, James out here speaking ill of the dead. James has no shame. <laughs> James probably Des- thinks the director killed her, too. Desiree Gould. <laughs> Gould <laughs> well, I, tell you, I tell all y'all what, it comes up due to this outstanding... Uh, reporting yeah. I've done, and somebody listens to this and looks it up, and then they charge this man for murder of his mom. <laughs> when I will be a hero. We're gonna get in so much trouble if we ever like get a large listening platform. Well, you know, at that point, we just have to hope that he did it. <laughs> That's our <laughs> only way out of this, because oh, James has talked us into litigation. Well, so, we finally yeah, the- get the kids to. We finally get the kids to camp, and well, I'm already seeing like because I heard somebody else say this, so I'm not the first person to say it. Who was it? Don't worry about it, where I get my information from. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you. But you you protect them, James. Before they go to camp, the aunt does say that she basically did their physicals herself, even though she's not supposed to. Yeah, I was gonna. Mention and I thought that, that was a yeah. kind of weird thing to mention. Yeah, she. What did she say? She's like, don't. She's like, don't worry about what I or don't worry about what I put on your exam or something. Something. Yeah, like that. she basically like, says that she did their physicals and kind of suggests she might have. I guess doctored isn't the right word here, but maybe fibbed a little. I don't know what else you would okay. say. Well, I don't know that fibbed a little is probably going to fit any more than doctored is either. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I'm just trying to think of a way to say it because it, it clearly seems like I know you're not supposed to treat family like a media family like that, but it seems like she knows something she did was unethical. Yeah, definitely unethical. So we're getting the kids to camp and I'm already seeing a strong and I do mean strong candidate for the hammer award. And I'm talking about old Tony Rigatoni here with the biceps and the dick print guys. Okay. Is I'm he the one in the short shorts? Oh, he's the one, yeah, with the short shorts. A lot of them are short shorts. And the arms and the pecs. Yeah. I don't know his name. Cut, I just called him. Those cut off shirts, those half shirts. I don't think this guy ever wore one of those though. I think everything this guy wore was skin tight and that oh, was about it. Oh yeah, one of them definitely looked like George the Animal Steel, but yeah, this guy, he's uber built and, you know, he's, he's, he's a fucking, he's a beast, but he's like a head counselor type guy. And we're going to find that he's going to be one of the the main voices of reason you know, throughout this whole film. Um, but, you know, we, we've got some odd archetypes here. You know, we, again, we've got the bodybuilder, Tony Rigatoni. We've got the fucking pedophile cook, the men around him who enable it. How horrifying. bananas is this guy? Oh, it is completely horrifying. And I don't know how I'm thankful that it is. But I don't know how this movie is still on Peacock. And and I say that because there's so many things that they cut out of WWE programming. Like just butchered complete shows sometimes to take out certain insensitive dialogue. Which at the time, you know, what wasn't really seen as insensitive. It was seen as campy and tongue-in-cheek. Well, but let's be this, honest. Nobody's watching this movie. Ow. Besides well, that, us, right? That was, that was hurtful. 
Well, but also, I think people like this movie. It's got a big cult following. And it's got a huge cult following. Let's just think about what Rick said earlier. How much did it cost to make it, and how much did it make? I'll say that, uh, yeah, there, it's, it's got quite a following. As a matter of fact, when, when people give their top 10 slasher movies ever, I would bet that more than 50% say Sleepaway Camp. Just oh, because you're not down with it, James. Chick- what? Oh yeah, the barnyard chickens. He oh, at one point he and <laughs> at one point he's got something sticking out of his mouth and like he's pulling it down and he flicks it and flicks his chin up and it's like, dude, you are the grossest person I've ever seen. But I mean, we we've got, we now got Ricky. He's giving Angela the rundown on the camp. Um, Ricky's got a friend who kind of tips him off to uh, Judy's uh, accomplishments over the past year. Um, you know, and when Ricky sees her, she's talking to some guys. He yells over to her, asks how she's doing. She totally brushes him off. And in typical Ricky fashion, he's like, well, excuse me, bitch. I love Ricky at this point. He's Absolutely. got a hot temper. He has got a real hot temper. But I want to adopt Ricky to be my son because I love his attitude. Like, things can be going so smoothly, like an after-school special. And Ricky will come in and be like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. Ricky's my guy. Ricky could adopt you. At this point, yes. But you know what? I'm talking about the character, not the guy in real <laughs> life. Because I do not want to be financially responsible for him. What, what's the one line that, oh, he says, Billy says, in the movie, Billy says, eat shit and die, Ricky. Ricky says, eat shit and <laughs> live, Bill. <laughs> the absolute best line in this whole movie. Like, bar none. Eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. Gosh, it's yeah. the worst thing ever. I think I'm going to adopt that one. But, you know, we can really see that Judy is, as Ricky says. I mean, she's kind of a bitch. But, you know, I think now is about as good a time as any to present my prestigious Hammer Award. And Casey, you argued earlier before we started recording that there is no Hammer in this movie. Yeah, I did say that because it's either children or possibly adults that aren't attractive or fucking weirdos okay this film is not full of candidates i will grant you that like tony rigatoni it could be but isn't okay no 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 the hammer award for sleepaway camp goes to none other than katherine cammy who plays meg that's m-e-g capiche she's I feel adult. okay about she absolutely is an adult because she is a counselor. I feel okay about this one because Meg was 19 at the time of filming, meaning okay. like as an adult that, and actually there's one more. Judy's actually an adult here. She's a freshman in college, but she's a bitch. Um, you know, I feel okay about this one. She's 19, meaning that as an adult and uh, that the cook and I are not in the same category. So congratulations, Meg. You're the winner of the Slashers and Screamers Hammer Award because you, ma'am, are a hammer. What say you jerks? Interesting that you said Judy's a bitch, but you're not calling Meg a bitch. Meg is also a bitch. Yeah, we don't know Meg, Meg is... to be a bitch yet, though. We only see Okay. Her. We only yeah, see her I, being... I would, yeah, I would agree with that. So, Billy, I would agree with you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you Rick. But also, mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad she was 19. Love to hear it. Um, I will make the point that I went to camps where sometimes it was minors as camp counselors. So, I just want to put that out there. Well, good job, Bill. <laughs> Let's hear it, James. What do you got to say about it? Way to be the pedophilias. God. Back to camp. Angela is not eating, and like a good counselor, <laughs> Tony Rigatoni is, takes Angela to the kitchen. To tell everybody <laughs> about the little picture I send you, the 
Killed his butthole. What happened? What? I I kind of remember this. Okay, so there for a while, there was this running joke that Billy was a pedophile. (laughs) This joke was running the podcast. This joke is coming from you, James. There was this meme of a little boy is something about you know I don't care whatever you can kiss my butthole or something, and there was a little kid pointing at his butthole. And I send that to him like every day. <laughs> and we got to talking, and they said, Billy said, what if they take my phone and uh, all they the read is messages up. from you, <laughs> They don't know all those things, that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> so the running joke, James, was from you, not yeah. from the general public. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's everybody. be clear about that. It was never, the general public was involved. <laughs> <laughs> Nor are they usually. But uh, Tony Rigatoni, he takes uh, Angela to the kitchen to find her something good to eat because she's not eating. You know, such a good guy. But unfortunately, he leaves her in the hands of the pedo cook. Yeah, and, the creeper. Yeah. So I don't think this scene flies anymore. And I'm saying anymore in 2021. Like, they don't even make this for dramatic purposes. You know what I mean? I don't think this entire movie would get made in 2021. But inclusive of this scene, yes. I think a lot of the movie probably does. Um, well, this is a terrible scene, Bill. It, it is, is a pretty terrible scene. And I can only attest this scene to a man that would kill his mother to make this movie. Jesus Christ. So the cook corners Angela and begins to undo his belt. And he says something like, uh, you know, he has something that she'll like real good or something. But of course, yeah. Ricky being right on time saves the day. So here's my thing about this scene. You know, we know that the cook is a creep. Actually, he's worse than a creep. Like, creeps are kind of harmless. They're just, you know, watchy and blue. But this guy is not harmless. He is actively hurting children. We know he's done it before. And everyone around him is like, well, that's a lardy. And he's actually walking out of the walk-in pantry, fixing his belt back, and they all see him. And he's like, oh, I guess I scared him. And Mel, the old guy with the cigar, is looking puzzled. And he's like, I guess you did. Like, dude, he had his he had his fucking belt undone. And he was talking earlier about kids being fresh meat or fresh chickens or something like that. And even then, I think on that level, he's getting gone, right? You got to think that no camp is going to employ a guy like this, being yeah, this open would, about it. You would think... <clears throat> Well, it doesn't Even, last long, does it? Well, no, it does not last long. And it's obviously not from, you know, because of Mel or uh, Bob Earl Jones. Definitely isn't. So, you know, we haven't you know, talked enough about how James Earl Jones's father, Robert Earl Jones, is in this movie. I and, did not know that until now. Yeah, so uh, what was his name? Cliff? Not, not Cliff. Um, he, he's ben. the guy that's... Yeah, Ben, thank you. Yep, the other cook. Yeah, the other cook. You know, the the other oh, older cook. Wow. That's yeah, that's uh that's Bob Earl Jones. Um the but only one black has to, man in the movie. The only black guy in the movie, basically. Um that didn't work for Bob Earl Jones. But one has to wonder where James got his acting chops because it was not from his father. Hurtful. A little hurtful, I know. But uh yeah, Artie Bless the, uh, term. Well James, it's no worse than anything you've said at all. James are literally accusing the director of murder. (laughs) Actively (laughs) accusing him of murder. But Artie, the uh, the pedo cook, he's got some real anger issues. 
Uh, he's throwing everything out of rage. He tried to pour some salt in the boiling water in the kitchen. It's empty, and he spikes it like Rob Gronkowski. And as much as I enjoy his pain, I don't understand why the predicament he thought he was in was an actual predicament. Okay, he's standing on a chair. A chair that he took from Ben, by the way. Uh, a chair he didn't have to jump to get onto. When someone pushes him from behind, which kind of makes him lean over a little... To catch himself on the shelf in front of him, like, I'm assuming to keep him falling in the boiling water. What the fuck is this scene? Why is this a predicament for him? This bothered me a lot because, as we see, he ends up falling down backwards and pulling the entire 10-year-old person-sized pot onto himself. (laughs) Yeah. There's no reason he couldn't have just fallen over. That is a fact. Fair. And, but he and like, yeah. who's pulling on that fucking pot? And and when he's hanging on to the thing and he's like, kid, let go. Or is that, you better not be playing a joke. Whatever he says, playing a joke on me. I'm like, dude, just fucking turn around. Like, shit. <laughs> Push yourself off of the fucking shelf and then jump down on that little kid. Because yeah. we know that's what you want to do anyway, you sick fuck. But Bob Earl Jones runs in, assuming from hearing the screams. And, you know, he's wearing what looks like, I don't know, depression era underwear. I don't know. I'm only assuming that he was trying to fuck a kid off screen too. uh, And he heard his homie screaming at the top of his lungs. This is a weird crew. But, I mean, just think about how bananas this scene is and how avoidable it was for the the pedo cook. He's, like I said, he's leaning barely to hold on to this shelf. I don't know. But the funny part of this is how they wrap up the cook in like a cartoon mummy look and like in comes the doctor now this scene reminds me of a scene from airplane where ted striker tells elaine that he's we're leaving on a mission uh tomorrow uh we're gonna we're gonna bomb someplace and we're coming in from the north blow the radar but when she asks him when he'll be back he says can't tell you that it's classified well Mel asks the doctor, what's the prognosis? The doctor gives him the rundown, the complete rundown. But when Tony Rigatoni asks, what about his eyes? The doctor says, too early to tell. What? You couldn't see his eyes? The only part of his body you didn't wrap in bandage like the fucking mummy chasing Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the opening montage of DuckTales? (laughs) That's so specific, but also true. It is true. They they mummify this guy and you can't see his eyes? And then, so. and then and then old old George Burns looking looking ass chewing that cigar coming in there. He's like he's like, Oh hi, what's what's the trouble? You know, and I'm like, dude, like what I thought was cool and what I will continue saying the entire time about this movie cool is that this movie does a lot of things wrong, but it gets showing a dead body or an injured body right because they showed Artie on a on the floor covered in blisters that are getting worse the, w- the more you look at them oh, so the way like they a did glazed that, donut in the microwave he did so they set it up on a floor backing with gelatin being pumped through fake blisters to simulate the massive burns isn't oh that nasty God. i want some jello right now <laughs> to recreate i hope it's lime oh boy okay so my question is why does Artie not spill the beans on who pushed him he's not dead he saw I said the, person. the same thing. I they said James all of his nature. nerve receptors should be on fire, which they probably are, but you can't scream out someone's name. Right. Yeah, if you can yell, ah, you can yell, <laughs> well. Whoever. Whoever. Yeah, good call. <laughs> his lips were probably burnt off. 
James, that's probably the most logical thing that's going to be come up with, honestly. But, you know, Mel doesn't, George Burns doesn't want any, anybody knowing about this. So he ups the pay of Bob Earl Jones, promotes him to lead man, a whole $50 yeah, a week. Yeah, he says $15 a day or 15 extra dollars a, a day or a, a week. week or something. A week. Yeah, I think, I think 50 for him and 15 for uh, his crew. Yeah. A week, not a day. Yeah, but they all fucking love it. And yeah, like, the, the quote that gets me every time is when uh, Bob Earl Jones says, I always thought he had a little devil in him. So he just turned on his guy that he's been enabling this whole time for about 50 bucks a week. That's $10 a day. Well, they're probably there seven days a week on uh, camp days, but still, that's seven bucks a day. That, that's how much Artie's friendship costs. Seven bucks a day. It's not very much. <laughs> not very much at all. But, you know, you always knew... He had, like, there's really no honor amongst anybody on this crew, okay? Like, Mel's a little slimy. Actually, Mel's very slimy. Mel's very slimy. Yeah, he's very... But uh, honestly, though, like, what makes him slimy is the covering up of, you know, this situation and others that come up later, right? Yeah, I think we'll definitely delve into that more as we go. We most certainly will. But first, we got to talk about this softball game. That's what comes up after the... uh, the mishap in the kitchen, not a, it's not a mishap. Um, it's probably the most satisfying injury in the whole movie. But uh, let's skip to the softball game anyway. So Ricky is uh, pulling his little mind over matter trick on a, a kid named Mozart. And that's the kid that was actually bullied uh, on set that you were talking about. Willie something or other. That's, that's the kid that played Mozart. Why do they and, call this kid Mozart? The only thing I can think of is like he's got some kind of technical knowledge and... Like you think of somebody who's a genius at something, you think of Mozart. So I mean, could have called him. Yeah, could have called him Einstein. But Mozart just seems specific. <laughs> also, seem... at the beginning of the baseball scene, the guy is it is it Tony who's like standing at the pitcher's whatever mound? Um, I think his name is Gene. Gene. Yeah. Okay. Gene's yeah. shirt borderline shows nip. Oh yeah, most That's certainly. What I earlier, it's like a ha- it's like a he's like wearing like a freaking tube top. Like what? Yeah, he had that thing cut up to his chest. Um, he was, like I said, he's the one that I was talking about being as hairy as George the Animal Steel. Fantastic look. Um, got those short shorts on. Oh, yeah, got those nut huggers on. And my question is, like, what's the age group here? Like, we've Adults got people. versus children. Yeah, but they're intermingled, you know? And I think Gene is probably a counselor, like maybe a lead counselor or uh, whatever um, for that cabin. Because he's always in that cabin with, you know, with Ricky and crew. But, um, I don't know. He comes in after Ricky does that little mind over matter trick on Mozart, which is kind of weird to watch because, man, that kid with his bare ass looks very young. Hopefully he's 18. I don't know. Oh, that's the kid with the glasses. I remember now. Yeah, I think he had uh, some glasses and he had a ball cap. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the thing about Gene, though, is he a counselor or is he a camper? Because I'm really confused about this. Like, not to get ahead of myself, but later on, there's a camper versus counselor game, and this one isn't it. So, who's the campers playing the counselors? I think it's a counselor, I I thought. I mean, because he looked older, but... Well, Well, it makes sense to me. Even some of the kids who were running into camp, like, not counselors walking around, but some of the kids that were running into camp, the first scene of camp, looked like adults. So I know the main cast is mostly, you know, kids, but if Gene is a camper, then he is 
45 years old. He is 47 and a half years old that year in 83. But you know, this was a fun scene for me. I mean, because one, baseball. Uh, two, more Ricky shit talk. I mean, the guy pitching, you know, he, he has to put a wager on it. Ricky goes straight, you know, to cuss him out mode. And says, what do you have in mind, asswipe? I don't know why that made me laugh so much. It's like he naturally gets under their skin. I fucking love it. But this group of toddlers playing against a group of college redshirt seniors, like that's a huge age difference. So I don't know what age group this is supposed to be, nor why there are real deal adults there as campers. But... It, it makes for a fun scene. You know, you, you got the, the scene where Mozart catches the fly ball. But there's, like, there's no part of this game where the older guys are winning the game. Okay, like, Ricky and crew literally kick the shit out of them at every at-bat. And, you know, like, to add insult to injury, you've got the classic trash talk on them. Again, Rick, the, you know, the best line of the movie. Um, eat shit and die, Ricky. Or eat shit and b- live, Bill. The best shit ever. But, you know, all of this is to set a scene. And I guess to give us an idea of everyone's ways, maybe? I mean, we know who we like. Uh, We know who the assholes are, right? So, I mean, maybe that's what this is for. I didn't know what everything was about. And I can kind of liken this to, you know, the, the, the car conversations on Death Proof. Yeah, they went on a little long, but they're to establish character. It was a long scene. It was. For a movie that's only 84 minutes long, it was long. Yeah, and, and this baseball game was literally 38 minutes long. It seemed like it. Yeah, but, I mean, we at least know the characters now. I mean, right. if, if, I, if I know anything about Ricky, he is a fucking shit talker, and I'm here for it. But, you know, we got to fast forward to the social event after the ball game, where a couple of guys decide they want to pick on Angela. And again, here comes Ricky, wearing his cowboy hat, right off the set of Hee Haw. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is Ricky wearing a comically large cowboy hat? Because that thing is fucking great. I died laughing when I saw that. I didn't remember that <laughs> at all. From I, I haven't seen this movie in years, but I didn't remember that at all. And I was almost in tears. He looks but, hilarious. <laughs> he looks so small in this 10-gallon hat. But, like, I love this hat. I don't really know why. might be a 10-gallon hat. It really is. But, you know, he's standing up for Angela like he does, and they get in a scuffle, and, you know, classic Ricky's like, you fucks, I'm gonna beat your fucking ass, pricks. And I swear, Ricky can go from zero to Amy Poehler and Deuce Bigelow in no time flat. Okay, hold on. Is that the part where they're throwing the water balloons at her from the roof? No, that's gonna come a little bit later. Yeah, this one is where um, a couple of guys go up and I, I think they try to pick up on her a little bit yeah um, they're daring each other to ask her out and then they call each other chicken and then there's like a blue family large group chicken impression which if <laughs> i heard if i heard a group of people doing a chicken impression and then someone asked me to hang out or dance i would be suspicious oh i thought you were gonna say i would be so down <laughs> <laughs> yeah notoriously i love chicken imitations well, I mean, notoriously, don't you? I only you love sure, George You Bruce, sure as hell George laugh Bruce. at him on Arrested Development. I laugh at Job's. <laughs> His are perfect. Well, I mean, Job's and Lindsay's is great. I think, uh, who had the other one? Uh, Lucille. I, I think, yeah, okay, there you go. God. This All is right, not well, the first time Chicken's been using this movie negatively. That is what true, was the James. other time? Wait, well, what? Yeah, uh, oh, Artie at the beginning, like, called him a fresh chicken. Oh. Yuck, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, we're going back to the gross guy. Good call, James. Picking up on themes, man. So, since Angela doesn't want to dance and or hang out with them, 
they really tear into her and then, you know, Ricky gets started, but then everybody just kind of transitions outside. Yeah, because we, we've now got to get outside to, you know, well, actually, no, we haven't transitioned outside yet because in comes Smooth Top oh, and yes. Paul. Yep. Yeah, Paul. Yep. Paul's got to get his in you know we don't really know him until now I mean yeah we started off he's talking about uh Judy's tits but I mean whatever I mean he's got designs on Angela and apparently he's got the juice because all it takes is him telling Angela how he and Ricky ran some girls panties up the flagpole and she's talking again no (laughs) he also says he heard about her family and he's sorry oh so this is like the first person showing her any kind of compassion or care. Meanwhile, everyone else is bullying her for admittedly being weird and staring a lot. Um, apparently the director who probably didn't kill his mom, Robert Hiltzik, cast Angela by asking girls to stare into the distance while pretending to eat a candy bar. And this is the right girl, clearly. She's most certainly the right girl. Um, she's forever going to go down in horror history. And for all the right reasons, like as such a young person for as such a young person, like putting on this performance, I I do think that there's more to her silent performances because she has a thousand yard stare. Like her, first of all, her eyes are really big. Her eyes are really dark and she can stare right through you. And sure, maybe that's a, you know, an acquired skill, but this little girl put on a show and she's, I mean, hell, I... If the Hammer Award could be for performance, she'd have it. Because to me, she's the star of this movie. Best actress is what that would be called. Absolutely. But we don't have that. We're not the Academy Awards. <laughs> We're not even the Dundies. We're like 10 notches below the Dundee. And they have their award ceremonies at Chili. We should go to Chili's. We should. But... I thought we were going to get a scene where, uh, you know, the Lizzie's gang from the Warriors were going to go skinny dipping with the 40-year-olds. Chili's <laughs> baby back ribs. Skinny balls. dipping with the four-year-olds uh, from the softball game. But, but it no. Was not, but yeah, but no. It was not to be. Just a bunch of, bunch of guys being dudes skinny dipping together. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, James and I have done it a million times. Um, this movie is not realistic at all. <laughs> What we <laughs> what we did get was our first actual murder when one of the guys that was kind of picking on Angela Kenny. before who's that Kenny Kenny he's a uh, who's he got with him is that Sheila um I think or is so. that a rando yeah I don't think that is Sheila she was one of the um one of the counselors kind of the counterpart I to think Meg it's somebody just random I think uh, yeah I think you're right Rick. Um, but he gets the, he tips over the canoe as a joke, which obviously in this movie is not the thing to do. Mm-mm. And, you know, she swims off. But, you know, I guess to flip it back over, um, you know, he, he goes up underneath. And I guess he's calling for everybody's already walked off at this point. But we see a figure rise up in the water or out of the water, I guess, who is not his date, but one who he does recognize. Um, you know, they appear under the canoe with him and they fucking drown him. Yeah, because he goes, he says, like, what are you doing here or something? Yeah, what are you doing here? Like, that's something you say to, you know, people that you don't recognize or that you recognize or to the first person you say when you come out of a coma. (laughs) So the killer leaves him under the canoe on the shore to be found the next morning. That's what I say when I come to your house. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) What are you doing here? As if I don't live here. So, one really cool scene, though, here is with the snake coming out of Kenny's mouth. I thought that was pretty pretty yucky. I love that. 
Yeah, that a little baby snake. I don't know if it's a baby snake. It could just be like a really small species of snake. I think it's a baby snake, though. But it was really creepy. Something I definitely don't want to happen. It cleared out my sinuses when I saw it. Immediately. Immediately. But, you know, Mel's doing his best to keep everything under wraps. You know, we he, he doesn't want bad publicity. So he's trying to keep everything. He's making excuses. No, I mean, he must have fallen out of the boat. Of course, you know, Tony Rigatoni says, you know, he, he was a pretty damn good swimmer. So we're, we're still having that internal battle for keeping things quiet. But we do cut to a volleyball scene where uh, Judy and Meg take exception to Angela talking to Paul. So they kind of make a thing out of Angela not having to play. You know, and yeah, kind of mad at her at every turn when she doesn't participate. No food, no swimming, no volleyball. And they're pissed every time. Because she gets attention when it happens. Yeah. I mean, if she were just off doing her thing, but no, these girls want attention, I guess, and they're getting, she's getting all the attention. So, like, Meg kind of tough talks her a little bit, and, you know, the, the reason this is important is because anybody who's crossed Angela to this point winds up dead or boiled with salty corn water. So, like, you know, who could be capable of this, first of all? I mean, it has to be somebody who's strong, with opportunity, with motive. And, you know, we see how protective Ricky is of Angel. We see his temper. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I think it's Ricky, Bill. I was so hoping you would. So does Mel. Yes, absolutely Mel. so does Mel. Mel but, you know, died before this movie made it out to theaters. Yeah, he had cancer. During oh, the that's filming. So sad. I didn't realize that. Smoking the cigars on this set. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, for some reason, I thought I knew Mel from other movies, but apparently I did not. I thought he was a completely Mel's from different Battlestar guy. Galactica, Bill. Is he? The TV show. Yeah, is he really? Back when men were men <laughs> and the boys stayed at home. <laughs> well, Angela is getting a little flirtier as the days go by. Um... Paul sneaks up on her, covers her eyes, and gives her the old uh, guess who. Her first guess is Ricky. Her second guess was Burt Reynolds. So if you know, you're looking to, to age this movie at all, just think, when did 13-year-old girls know about Burt Reynolds? That's when this movie was made. I'm only saying this uh, so we can say this is the second show in a row where we mention Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so you're saying Ricky was dressed up like Burt Reynolds with that the 10 gallon hat on like Turd Ferguson on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burt Reynolds, you, uh, you hit your button. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, you know, Meg is, uh, she's really blowing up on Angela to the point where, you know, she's, she physically shakes her. She kind of looks like Moss from <laughs> the IT crowd when <laughs> Roy's shaking him after telling the wrong story about the prostitutes in Amsterdam. But, you know, Meg gets in trouble. So Judy, with her little exaggerated faces. Oh, people watch this show, James. 50% of this show watches that show. Okay. Oh, 50% of the podcast. Yes. Call in like, what? with your answer about who watches that show. Nobody. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a Twitter poll. <laughs> Who watches the IT crowd? I'm going to put it on a Twitter poll. Not me. Bastard. I'm going to vote now. You would. <laughs> so, you were saying Meg about is physically abusing children. Pretty much, yes. I mean, that. I mean, if I had seen that before I gave her the hammer award, I'd have to revoke it. I can't do that, you know, after the fact, though. This isn't the Olympics. So, you know, Judy wants to uh, retaliate, though. And she throws a pillow at Angela. 
Now, I'm going to come back to this detail at the end, but I have a thought on that. Where, you know, Angela catches the pillow. And well, before that, before that, Judy says, why do you not shower with everybody else? Yes. Yes. Very important detail. Um, but easily one that you could look over because of shyness. I, mean, I think, what, yeah. yeah, I think what we're seeing is just what we see as of yet <clears throat> is just a shy girl. It's her first year at camp, which I don't fully understand because it seems like Ricky's been coming here for years and years. But whatever. It's her first year at camp. It doesn't seem like she's a very social kid. She's probably insecure. She's a 13-year-old girl, and she's shy, clearly. So I think right. we can all put that on, you know, she's not showering with anyone. She's not swimming. Maybe she's afraid to be seen in a swimsuit, you know. Like, there's different details that can all add up to her just being a shy kid. She's got to toughen up, Bill. That's all <laughs> it is, James. She's going to have to toughen up. So, but, you know, Ricky's back on his rampages, though, and I'm here for it. But, you know, you got the Cobra Kai who are up on a roof having a water balloon fight. Okay, you know, here's my thing. How in the fuck did it get on the roof? Well, they ladders did it exist, in the parent trap. Or Rick? I'm thinking, like, when he's when Mel comes up there, he's like, get off, get, get off from there. I'm like, how the fuck do you get up there? They did in get the off parent, the roof pretty quick, too. Yeah. In the parent trap, they put each other's beds on the roof of their cabins. We should watch the parent trap next. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and change my... My, my movie pick for next week. Thank to, you. Uh, the, the Parrot Trap. Which version should we be watching? Uh, we'll be it watching doesn't matter which version we should be watching. <laughs> because because that's the part where they're throwing the water balloons at her. Or no, she's walking, and they're like, hey, watch this. And then they throw the water balloon at her. Yeah, and it like caves her chest in, and she collapses, which is one of the right. craziest things to yeah. me. A water balloon, and she, she hits the fucking down. deck. She acts like she caught an anvil. <laughs> she does. But, you know, like, Ricky's not having this shit. The, 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 those fucking balloons must have been full of hard water. But Ricky comes in... Uh, again with his uh you know expletive laden tirade uh, i had to get a sample of you know, one of these tirades they're just too fucking good you know things go from camp cucamonga to do the right thing real quick you know with, with fucking ricky so i'm gonna go ahead and play one of his little tirades and i want to get what you guys think about it So it's not long after this when uh, the leader of the Cobra Kai, I think his name is Billy. He's in the restroom and someone gets their revenge by dropping a bee's nest in the bathroom stall, thus giving him yeah, the... Yeah, poor kid's just, just going to take a deuce and then next thing you know... <laughs> yeah, he's getting the, the My Girl Macaulay Culkin treatment. Oh my and... God. <laughs> what? Horrible. People don't need to remember that. Fine. Well, the best part of this is how they use honeybees to create the scene. Uh, so now, in a hierarchy of threats to bees, uh, expanding city buildings, cell phone towers, and now misinformation from this this fucking film. Uh, I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like this is the biggest threat this film has produced. You have, Humper, you... I am I know James. Come back into play. They uh, <laughs> covered a dummy in a sugar mixture to draw in more bees. Yeah, and uh, man, 
it's pretty covered and i was thinking like are that many bees in that small of a hive well first of all the, those types of bees don't live in that type of hive let's just get that out of the way how do you know um, that well that's that's like a, a hornet's nest where does honey come from i'm not yeah, saying you're wrong i'm just interested they yeah, make, just, you can't put a comb in that beehive. Right, right. So, like, honeybees definitely don't live in that kind of hive. That's a hornet's nest. Wood bees actually build their nests um, outwardly. So, I'm just a fucking nerd with that. Um, I actually said that once I'm able to retire, I'm going to farm some fucking bees. And Bill, I'm sticking to that. Never told me anything about farming no bees and I feel like you would come to me with such information. James, <laughs> what on earth makes you think that I would come to you openly asking to be made fun of? You would think you would think that you would tell your best buddy about your bee obsession. Obsession. I have to, I wouldn't call it an obsession, James. Your bee, your bee fetish. <laughs> and I, I've been to your house, Bill. You didn't have any decorative bees or nothing hanging around. Well, I'm not trying to get home interior with little animated bees. <laughs> Low-key bee fetish. Do you James like that Jerry you? Seinfeld movie, Bees? <laughs> I love it, James. I don't know. No, it was a B movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you're, you're thinking of ants. Bees. Huh? <laughs> There's a movie about bees, too. Yeah, but when you, said, when you said the name of the movie was Bees, I think you were thinking of ants with a Z at the end of it. And you were probably in your head saying B-E-E-Z. Oh, yeah. When I use bees as plural, I spell B-E-E-Z. Bees. Pretty much anything you pluralize has a Z at the end, James. Yeah. I've got a whole text message thread full of proof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in a very revealing scene, Paul and Angela, they're running off to do boyfriend-girlfriend things when Paul gets a little too handsy. I've also got another question. Oh, my God. Carry on. So, you know, everybody knows now that I don't know nothing about your B <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. And the other day I called you a hive humper. Was I yeah, reading I, your mind then, Bill? You could have been, James. You could have been, but I did ignore it <laughs> because I felt you were I felt you were flying a little too close to the sun. <laughs> That's even more funny funnier now that I know this revealing B man about you. <laughs> I just want to come out there and watch you work your bees, Bill. <laughs> well, James, one day it'll be a reality. <laughs> we can have a bee farm together. <laughs> well, now I know why my girlfriend says what she does. You're saving up for that bee farm. Please tell me she doesn't actually say that. Well, she didn't know what it was, for, what you were saving for, but now I can tell her what it's for. How does she know I'm saving anything? Well, she's been talking about me, James. Work, work a few jobs. 
Hey, man, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler, baby. Gotta make that cheese. Gotta make that cheese. All right, I'm on Cheddar-like. I'm muting myself to tell her what you're doing in your last time. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. By all means. All right. So, Paul gets a little handsy with Angela, and we're spurred. She's not with it. No, she's no, not she with it. Not. She has a little flashback, you know, and, and it's in her mind. And, of course, her deceased brother, <clears throat> spying on their dad and his lover, who we know now, obviously, as the man from the shore, from the, the cold open. And there's some unsettling but only implied scars from her past involving her sibling. I think I know what the scene implies. I didn't understand that. Like, what? It's probably best you didn't, Rick. But I think I know what the scene implies, and that's all we really have to say about it. But Angela immediately disengages from Paul and runs away. So what's this scene tell us about Angela's past outside of losing her dad and her sibling in a boating accident? She's crazy. That she doesn't like to be like pressured because he was like, oh, let me give you another, give me another good night kiss. And she's like looking at him like, no. And then she eventually does. And then, you know, and then he, no. And then he says, well, what's wrong or whatever. She's like, I got to go, you know, and then she runs away. Yeah, she's completely not with this at all. So, you know, a, a real turning point, I guess, comes during the, the capture the flag game. And this is where some gears start turning. You know, Angela, she's brushing Paul away. She didn't like him trying to unbutton her shirt, which to his credit, he says, I understand. And he tries to go back a step or two to where he knows something is you know consented and he goes like to put his arm around her which she wasn't having that either and she takes off again where you know ricky catches up to her and he kind of hatches a plan to take a shortcut through the woods to capture the other team's flag right and great plan you know except for you know they run across paul and judy swapping spit not cool because first of all if it's ricky who's been killing everybody he's witnessing this and that can only mean one of these two are next. If it's not Ricky, Angela is still scorned, and the real killer will get their revenge to see, you know, what, uh, you know, as they have, you know, the, the entire set of events. So, no bueno for Paul nor Judy. But here's where I'm starting to see what Paul was talking about with Judy earlier. Okay. So, she approached Angela while wearing the swimsuit. She is absolutely fucking shredded. Like, this is not even an objectification now. This is like, whoa, wait a minute. I've never been in that physical form. And I think they should have used, like, more her athletic ability in this movie. Maybe some chase scenes or something. Because I had to do some, uh... I had to do some research. The girl that played Judy, and I can't remember her name, but she's actually a long-distance runner. Like, whereas I'm a short distance walker, but like, she's a legit athlete. I feel like as a director, I would have tried to utilize that a little bit. Is anybody else seeing that or is it just me? No, she's super muscular. I didn't think about that till you said it now. Honestly, I didn't, I wouldn't really pay attention to that. Dude, like she is fucking, she's a specimen. 
And, you know, at that age, I mean, how, you know, how far along could you really be? But if you really look at Olympian bodies, like hers isn't that fucking far off. And I, it's pretty impressive. It's just something I, I took in and thought, you know, I would really like to see a killer chasing Judy. And maybe Judy almost getting to some help, but getting caught, you know, from behind or whatever, a la opening scene of Scream. Well, you know, spoilers on Scream. Well, wait a minute. Is that the scene I'm thinking of? It is. Yeah. You know, Meg really. Yeah. So Meg threw me off a little bit here as well. She, with ease, hoists Angela up on her shoulder walks her over to the water and throws her in. She's got nothing on Judy, though. Judy is... Oh, Judy's horrible. Mm, Oh, she's maniacal. She said some very ugly things to her. So I want to know which geriatric hornball wrote this end of the story. Like, why on earth is Megan the Hammer cashing in a dinner date with old Mel with his old skin and his old balls? Yeah, I don't get that at all. It's... Like, I could see Mel chasing her, and apparently he has in the past because he offered this dinner date, but she's cashing it in. What's going on here? Feels like my bee fetish is, like, the, the least of y'all's problems right now. <clears throat> Maybe she wants to, like, impress him in some way so, like, she can move up in the camp hierarchy? I don't know. Valid. Look, I'm not that desperate to be high up in the camp hierarchy. Then, not Lord, in Camp Arawak. <laughs> this ain't Lord of the Flies. <laughs> it is a fact, James. Good call. Well, Megan the Hammer isn't making that dinner Maybe date anyway, is she? strange every now and then. A little strange. God yeah, damn she's it, definitely not making it to dinner. No, not at all. While showering, she's offed by a knife in the back through the shower divider, which... And this is... Brutal, because I mean, the, the they they rake that knife into her. They're pulling. I mean. Yeah, yeah, and they fucking split her back open. But this is a really confusing one to me, because like seeing as how when they find her, she falls out of the shower towards them. Yeah, and we know the killer took the knife out, washed it off with the faucet. What the fuck was holding her up? Yeah, it's not very practical. Yeah. No. There's nothing to prop her up. And and, and and is it Mel the one that finds her? Yes, Mel is the one that finds her, and that's why he starts to like really actively look for Ricky. But you know, things really start to unfold, you know, right around here though. Like the camp's holding that social event in the cafeteria. Paul meets Angela outside and apologizes again for making out with Judy. Which now we kinda can't blame him. Uh, He's begging forgiveness, and it looks like Angela's giving in a little bit. And she asked to meet him by the waterfront after the social. So Paul's feeling like he's gotten his juice back, right? He's back in the good graces of Angela, and that's all he wants. But meanwhile, you know, Judy's got a new guy in her cabin. They're making out like, you know, like you do. But they almost get caught by Mel. So the guy leaves. A little, little weak, but, you know, prior to that, Judy had told Mel that Meg the, I was going to say Meg the Stallion, Meg the Hammer, 
is uh, <laughs> next door showering, so he's off to go look for her. Uh, which, of course, this is what I alluded to earlier when you know they found Meg and she just falls out of the shower, and I was, and she was just standing there dead, I guess. In, in the, sh- I don't know, but Mel, having suspected Ricky this whole time, he's fucking out for blood. Um, I need explanations why <laughs> Meg was just standing there dead. I, it's it's bothered me since I watch it. Uh, there's no knife to hold her up. She wasn't stuck in the wall. What the fuck? I have no answer for this. Yeah, I don't know. Well, back to Judy's cabin. After uh, Mel and the you know the boy both leave, um, you know shit gets really creepy for me. Like you know the lights are out, mind you, and uh, the door opens, and what's revealed is a, a figure with long hair. And keep in mind. Ricky's supposedly in his bunk lying down. Like, long story short, Judy's killed. She recognized the killer enough to say, oh, it's you. And this is actually a kill sequence that was supposed to be in Friday the 13th Part 5. Like Jason, this exact thing? This exact thing. Um, oh, wow. Or very similar. Jason was supposed to kill Violet, if you remember her. Um, our alt girl with uh, the blonde hair and the, the, I believe, the black tips. Um, in a very similar fashion, and probably substantially more graphic with a curling iron to her uh, her hand warmer. The movie would have gotten an X rating had it stayed in, so it was removed. The scene, not the vagina. Yeah, um... This scene is pretty horrific. Uh, It's, to me, definitely the worst of the murders. Yeah, it's not a way I would want to go. No. If I I were a woman. Um, Nor if I was a a man laying on my stomach. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, there was supposed to be a shot of dead Judy. It was cut by the MPAA for being too gruesome, uh, which, yeah, I could see that. But also, Judy was originally supposed to be played by Jane Krakowski of Allie McBeal and 30 Rock fame. Boom. Uh, she ended I up did ba- remember that. I forgot to include it in my notes. Yep. She backed out doing, due to the horrifying nature of Judy's death. I think she would have been incredible, but I understand where she's coming from. It was awful. Yeah, just think about Jane Krakowski in this movie. Incredible. Then, oh, yeah. Listen. Jane Krakowski is a hammer right now in life, yes. all these years later. And there are very few that can hold a candle to Jane Krakowski. That is true. And like Meg, Meg wouldn't have a chance if Jane Krakowski no. was in this movie. Not a chance. And honestly, neither would Tony Rigatoni. Nobody would. No. She'd be out for blood. Well, Ricky's timing is impeccable, though, because we see him go to the cafeteria for a snack since he missed the social from supposedly, I mean, supposedly lying down. Yeah, or maybe he fucking went and destroyed Judy's pink canoe with a curling iron and then went to the cafeteria. Because I'm always hungry after killing people. Aren't you? Ask the director. <laughs> Don't join in on James's nonsense. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Well, we said Mel was on a mission 
after finding Meg, his one shot at getting pussy at this camp, because, you know, even he wasn't setting the standards, you know, low enough like Artie was. So, but when he finds Ricky, like, <laughs> he starts, like, just pounding these double-fisted orangutan smashes like he's Lou Ferrigno, and he actually beats the living shit out of Ricky and leaves him lying. Then he tries to get away, but he runs into someone. We don't know who, but they're obviously recognized as they have been, you know, from the other victims, or at least those who saw him locked eyes. But whoever it was put an arrow straight into Mel's neck. And it couldn't Incredible have been... shot. Oh, yeah, it couldn't have been any straighter if they were Carrie Elway. So... And it really, like, watching it, watching the arrow go straight through his neck, it was like, okay, damn. <laughs> First of I all, I wish I had, like, looking... slow motion. Well, that was a pretty clean-looking shot for a low-budget movie in 83. <laughs> All right, so now we've got to worry about Paul and Angela. They're alone on the waterfront. You know, the the killer's on the loose. Angela tells Paul, let's go swimming. And, you know, Paul's with it because they're going to swim naked. And that's what Paul's been wanting this whole time anyway. In other parts of the camp, they're finding all the victims. But our, our guy, Tony Rigatoni and Sheila, they hear singing coming from the beach. It's Angela and Paul. Angela singing to Paul, whose head is in, in her lap. She's running her fingers through his hair. But as we get closer, we're hit with another flashback. And this time it's the doctor, Ricky's mother. She's speaking to a young child. Enjoy living with us so much. Yes, I know you are. As a welcome home present, I bought you such wonderful new clothes. I just hope that Richard doesn't get jealous that I didn't get him anything. Ah, oh, but then he is such a dear. I'm sure that he won't mind. You see, I've always wanted a little girl. But of course, when my husband left... Oh, well, that's all water under the bridge, as I always say. Water under the bridge. But it certainly will be a nice little surprise when Richard comes home to find a little girl in the house. Yes, I've always dreamed of a little girl just like you. I mean, we already have a boy. So another one simply would not do. Oh, no, absolutely not. A little girl would be so much nicer, don't you think so, Angela? Such a lovely name. Why, I believe it means angel. Why, yes, I'm sure it does. I know you're going to like that name. Won't you, Peter? So in a wild turn of events, the doctor who took in Angela badly wanted a little girl. So badly when she took in the son not the daughter of the man killed in the boating accident, but the son. She would raise him as a little girl, and that little boy would be called Angela. And Angela would go on to murder her fellow campers at Camp Arawak, including Paul, whose head was decapitated in her lap. The final scene is so shocking, so eerie, so spine-tingling, as we see a naked Angela, head to toe, wielding a knife and a penis, a psychotic expression upon her face, 
almost in ecstasy, having just murdered anyone who'd wronged her. Guys, this ending might have been one of the greatest endings to any horror flick there ever was, given the time. So what's and it do for you? This is crazy. I was going to mention a fact real quick about that. Uh, the climactic scene was accomplished using a nude man wearing a mask cast from Felisa Rose's face. The thin man who stood in for Angela was a college student who needed to get drunk before he was able to do the scene. Nobody kn- nobody knows who the man was. Decades later, they, he's still unknown. So this is like an, an uncredited actor. Right. They, have, they, have, they don't know who the, who the body is of the guy. They have no idea. There's a name listed on Wikipedia. Oh, well, IMDb didn't say it. Oh. <laughs> What's in Wikipedia? What, what name is on uh, Wikipedia? Archie Liberace. There's no link, but there's no link for more than half the people in the movie. Oh, well. Who IMDb did you say? Life Archie Liberace. I didn't name him. Well, hey, I, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> well, I mean, I cuss you out very... like Ricky. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. You prick. <laughs> I didn't name him. Fucking kill you. But, I mean, well, Billy's right. This show, like, full frontal in a horror movie in 83, like, that's that was not, I'm I'm guessing that wasn't common back then. I don't know, but, you know, it's still pretty shocking. Like, Well, you know, this movie was not supposed to be the success that it was. Um, there are probably some very unheralded and unheard of horror flicks from, from around that time who probably showed that or worse, but didn't get commercial success. Therefore, we don't really know about it. But yeah. this ending has got to be up there with the top endings of all time. If, if you saw this coming, on, sorry, mm-hmm, no, go ahead. I definitely see it on a lot of like you know, if you see an article like the greatest movie to us of all time. Um, the thing that I the thing that I think is fun is had all of us seen this before? Oh yeah, yeah. So I saw it the first time when I was like fourteen or fifteen at my best friend's house, and my reaction was like, "Holy shit." When I saw the That's ending. about my how mouth old was I open. was too. Um, so, James, had yeah. you seen it before? No. Okay. So watching this is it your first the... time seeing it, James. Yes. Oh wow. So watching it for the first time, did you know that Angela was the killer? Uh, no. Okay. Maybe so you didn't it was know just anything me. about this. Well, no, but I mean, like, as you watch it, did you suspect that Angela was the killer? I guess is my question because like oh, I remember watching it for the first time and I knew Angela was the killer because it just lined up that every single person who wronged her <sighs> was right there but we have no reason to believe that Angela is Peter so even if you knew that Angela was killing people the whole time or even if you heavily suspected you didn't really have a reason to know that Angela is a boy you know we get those hints that we discussed earlier from not showering with the other girls and not swimming in front of everybody and being hesitant with undressing or Paul trying to unbutton her shirt. But like we said, we can address all that by being shy or insecure. We have no reason to think, oh, well, she's Peter. Yeah, true. And, you know, knowing things after the fact is, you know, advantageous, obviously. But there are small things like earlier in the movie when uh, they first get to camp. You know, there's that scene where Angela is uh, kind of staring at Judy on the bed. And Judy's like, what are you staring at? I, I really do think that stare like signifies that she's already decided that she's going to kill Judy somehow. Cause everybody, the, she, everybody she gives that stare to uh, they're done. Yeah. Or, or the part at the beginning, like we mentioned where her, the, the mom, the weird 
or the weird aunt, excuse me, says, you know, oh, don't don't worry, I changed your uh, physical, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 that too. Yeah. yeah, that's why I wanted to make note of that, that she seemed to have doctored something, and she almost certainly did. Yeah, and then I, if I can go back to the part of uh, Angela catching the pillow that Judy threw at her. Um, I mean, maybe it's just me, but, like, was this a clue? Um, like, I know the movie's dated, and I'm very aware of the existence of the woman athlete. Um, you know, my college softball viewership would vouch for me, but... Is Angela's catching the pillow supposed to be a sign that because she's really a boy, she can catch? So all those subtle, could we look back knowing that, you know, what we know now and think, oh, uh, that was a big clue that she was uh, the killer all along? Or am I, I don't think I ever would have thought that. I don't think I yeah, would have ever thought that. I wouldn't have well, thought that either. Well, during that time, like you think about the boys being able to do athletic things and you think of the girls who are there to shine shoes and sew. You know what I mean? And... Like, again, that's why I bring up the fact that it's such a dated movie. Uh, you don't have any, you know, female athletes outside of Judy, and she doesn't even play a female athlete. She plays the girly girl, who is kind of a bitch. So, I think Judy throwing the pillow at her, and instead of it hitting her in the face and bouncing off into the floor, Angela catches it, and that says, like, you're not getting over on me, because I'm a strong boy, and you're just a weak little girl in her head. That's something I was thinking as I was... You know, watching this for the third, fourth time, because I went through it. It's definitely something to kick around. Yeah, most most certainly. But I will say that, like we said, or like I said earlier, and I know we kind of touched on, there are parts of this that wouldn't be made today. This whole thing, <laughs> like the whole ending, I don't think anybody would dare to touch today. No, absolutely not. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if it's if it's a fair assessment to to not. I, I think things in cinema should be left alone things that happen in cinema don't necessarily have to mirror real life and i do think no, I that, agree with that yeah there's some things though that obviously we don't want to go too far with um there are a million jokes to be made about you know the 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 pedo cook but that's not what we're gonna do i mean as, as a matter of fact there's so much in this movie that in bad taste can be joked about but you hold off because it, it's, it's it's just not right to do however in cinema form I think this movie could be done really well in 2021 and we're kind of robbing ourselves of a really excellent flick, especially if we get the sequel like we did, you know, with, with the original. Now, the, the the most recent sequel is, uh, what was it, 2000, 2002? I think there might have been a 2012 one as the, well. The, yeah, so what I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned that, is for people that don't know, Felisa Rose is not in any of the sequels. The reason being is because after the first one, she went to college and just got her degree and did her college thing, and she was not cast in um, Sleepaway Camp 2, Sleepaway Camp 3, or or I think she was in Return to Sleepaway Camp, the one you mentioned in 2012. But yeah, she's not in the later ones, which is weird. Pamela Springsteen is the actress, uh, so it's kind of different. But yeah, for people who don't know, she's not in any of the sequels. So Angela did make a reappearance on one of these movies. I think it was The Return to Sleepaway Camp, the one in like 2012, like you said. I want to say that one, yeah, that one ignores the timelines between one and that one. I think it ignores two and three, and it, it pretends as if part one was the only part there was. Does that make sense? Kind of like a new Halloween movie where it only um, it only acknowledges the first made one. So I will say I noticed that they are making a documentary film on the series titled Angela, the official Sleepaway Camp documentary. 
that's in pre-production and Felissa Rose is the executive producer. So I will be excited to watch that and maybe pick up some more information. So final thoughts on Sleepaway Camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's probably out of all the horror movies I've seen. And uh, you guys know I've seen a lot. Uh, it's probably got one of the best twist endings ever. Um, I would put it in my, you know, probably my top 20 horror movies, honestly. I'll do you one better. I'm going to put it in my top 10 all just right. because of the impact. Yeah. No, that's fair. Casey? I like this movie a lot. I'm not sure where I would put it as far as ranking movies, but I think it's fun. And I think it's interesting to see a movie, um, to me, reminiscent of stuff like Psycho, where you see a subversion of gender roles. Um, And the fact that this is the twist at the end, um, I know it's in some circles criticized, but I think it's definitely something you would never see coming and something that you can definitely rewatch the movie and really pick up information on. James, I know you love this one. I would like to apologize <laughs> because <laughs> I slept through most of this movie just like I did this podcast. <laughs> well, guys, we got something very special for uh, you know from a couple of our listeners. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out and all the love in the world to Jay and Amelia Bustos over in Killicali who were gracious enough to send us our very first, I want to call it our coroner's report. So, let's see what Amelia has to say. At the beginning of the Who's movie, that, oh, some, some, some very cool people I know, James. Uh, when uh, I was following the Oakland Athletics, you know, through the Nashville Sounds, I met these guys as Oakland fans, and they are still some very good friends. But was I dreaming, what or did you say you like to farm bees? You were not dreaming, James. You were not dreaming at all. But... Here's what Amelia says at the beginning of the movie and the camera panning the scenery of the camp and the chanting of the young voices and a sign that said Camp Arawak with a for sale sign over it. I immediately told my husband I was scared. I didn't know what to expect because anything with kid voices and all in sync just sends chills up my spine. When the kids were on the lake water skiing, I was thinking, oh, this camp isn't vacant. Not so scary at all. Then the water skiing adventure and... It took a turn for the worse and took out a single father of two kids and one of his children with the image of one child swimming, terrified and trying to get away. Still not scary, but I was more like, oh, what the heck? Stupid kids. Next scene, which was fast forward to eight years later, seeing Aunt Martha. She freaked me out. She was a weirdo and just around all around bad vibes. So I told Jay that's uh, something about her. She's hella sketchy. When I saw Angela and she moved in with Ricky and Aunt Martha and how she was so quiet, I thought, oh, poor girl's gone through a lot. Now my review of the camp, out of pocket. The head cook, disgusting. Male, disgusting. The camp had little spoiled brats everywhere, especially Judy, the girl who wanted to screw every boy there. I wanted to kick her ass. The whole Mel and Meg thing was just gross because she was all up that old man's ass trying to get to his place. The clothing choices, hilarious. The boys wearing crop tops and short nut huggers like they raided the girls' bunk. When the action started, still I wasn't scared, just curious. I told Jay, it's someone tan with man hands. Still baffled. I couldn't get my eyes off the shit show and needed to find out who's doing this, but cheered on as all the bad guys and girls were getting what they deserved. Now when, quote unquote, the killer was at Judy's doorway, I have to tell you, it took my second time to realize what I was looking at. Yes, I watched it twice. 
So that image, the first time I told Jay, it looks like Ricky. Then he said with a wig and thought immediate disappointment because I liked Ricky. He was standing up for Angela the whole time and I thought, what a good kid. At the same time, I was baffled when I find out it wasn't. The last few minutes freaked me the hell out, realizing what Aunt Martha did to Angela and what Angela did to all the bullies and worst off Paul. Okay, wait. Why did she do Paul the worst? The last scene that stays in your mind, horrifying. Leaving me like, what the fuck did I just watch? I was completely speechless. Now, after the second time watching and realizing, oh my God, standing at the doorway of Judy's bunk that night wasn't Ricky in a wig. It was Angela in her true form as a boy, dressed as he should be, but not how Martha always wanted him to be. Now that was freaky. I thought this movie wasn't scary at the beginning and it doesn't have the jumps and scares, but this movie is hella scary. This The movie well written, leaving you like, wow. It was a great scary movie and would definitely say I enjoyed watching it as a sick and out of as sick and out of pocket as it was, it did its job and it freaked me out. Good choice. I never would have watched it if it wasn't for your podcast. Thank you. No, Amelia, thank you for listening and for being a faithful listener because without you, it just isn't really worth it. You know, I like having feedback like this. It's amazing having feedback like this. And we are most thankful for listeners like you guys. So, guys, I think we can wrap this thing up. It is probably well past our bedtime. But, you know, next week, we've got Beware, Children at Play. So find it, watch it, and then join us next week. Guys, you got anything before we dip? Looking forward to a new movie next week, especially one I haven't seen. Yeah, looking forward to next week. I'm going in blind. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So That's what I was aiming for. (laughs) James? I love it. (laughs) For the godfather of Droll James, for the Memphis Menace Rick, and for final girl Casey, I am Billy Graves. This was the Slashers and Screamers podcast, and we will catch you guys in the gab room.